Told you, we're hitting the cuteness today, so hope you got your fill. Often when we do dedication, then uh, we, you know, I, I, I introduce one of our family values that we like to highlight for parents, and then I say, well, here's a, here's a little bit, and I can't really unpack that for you because I don't have enough time, and we move on. So today we decided that we're just going to take the whole service as we do dedications, and we're going to talk about this whole idea of, of parenting. We're going to look at one of our, our, our family values this morning. And uh, one of the things that's true is that you may not be a parent as you're sitting in the room this morning, and that's okay because whether you're actively parenting a, a child or your kids have grown or maybe you're not married or you don't have kids yet or whatever the case may be, the things that we're going to talk about this morning really apply to all of us. They're truths that apply to all of our lives. And so even as I speak very specifically to parents this morning, I hope you don't miss the application um, for everyone's life as well. And one of the things that we constantly try to remind parents, and they don't ever like to hear it, um, is that your time is limited. The, the time that you have to intentionally influence the faith of your child, it just slips by so fast, moment by moment. And we like to use these jars to, um, to illustrate that point of the time that passes, away, passes so quickly. See, when a child's born, you have 936 weeks as a parent to to, to impact their life and to impact their faith before they graduate from high school. But you know that time goes fast, and though you, maybe you're at the point where your jar is full of marbles like that, or maybe you've started losing your marbles, and yes, figuratively and realistically, right? Um, and, and you're getting to that end, and maybe for some of you sitting in this room, yours kind of looks like that last one, or maybe you're somewhere in between. And whether you have 18 years left, with your kids, or you, some of you have about 18 days before they graduate from high school. Um, the question that we have, the, the reality that's true for you is you're never going to have more time than you do right now. And so how do we use, best use that time that we have left, whether it's 18 days, years, or 18 days? And, you know, the answer, I think, to that question is not easy, and it is not automatic, and, and it's very, very complicated. But sometimes I think it's a little simpler than we actually realize. And, and I believe part of the answer is found um, kind of in the DNA of our church. Whenever we do um, dedication, we always highlight these bookmarks. They have our five family values that actually come from, from this book, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Both these um, are, are available out there. You can take the bookmarks if you don't have one of those yet, um, and you can check out the book out in the, um, the family ministry resource window, the big orange window out there in the lobby as well, and you can order yourself a copy. I would encourage you to do that. I think the answer is also, if you go out, in the uh, out on the wall in the lobby, you see our, our church's values, and it's there as well. And so on the bookmark, and, and from the book, it's, it's called Creating a Rhythm. And, and, and what you see in our church's values are intentional rhythms. And so if we want to impact the faith of our kids and the faith of our teenagers, we, we have to create a rhythm, and we have to be intentional with the rhythms that we create in our families. And maybe you're asking, well, what, what do you mean by a rhythm. What's a, what's a rhythm in our life and in our family? Well, a rhythm is simply just how we arrange our time, you know, and we like to use a, a clock to illustrate that because there, there's nothing, you know, more consistent or more constant than the second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour rhythm of a clock. It's constant. It's consistent. It never changes. And, and whether we realize it or not, how we arrange our times in our family um, happens either purposely or on accident, because every family has a rhythm. 
And sometimes those might be really, really intentional, and other times maybe they're not as intentional. But we all have a way of, of living and relating that's often consistent and repeated. We all have family rhythms. One of the things that I, I think we often don't realize or grasp, though, is the power of those rhythms. Because rhythms silently but significantly communicate what's valuable to us. They communicate what's valuable. They communicate over time what's important to our kids. And so, parents, we, we have the opportunity to, to leverage and to use uh, and really determine what's normal in our families by the rhythms that we create in them. We help our kids know what's most important. And, and, and the tension and maybe a, a sobering question to ask ourselves is, how do the current rhythms of our family, what are they communicating is important to our kids? You know, do, do, do the rhythms that we have communicate what we want to be communicating to them is most important? And, and one of the dangers that is really a danger for all of us and can be a danger in our family is that sometimes it's easy to make God just a part of our life and not something that our whole life revolves around. Think about it this way. How many of you have a set of fine china dishes? Six of you. Okay, thank you. You can admit it. I'm old. I have a set. If you're like 40 and older, you might have a set. Anybody younger probably doesn't. All right? A little, a little tradition of the past. But here's the thing with china dishes, right? China dishes never see everyday life, right? We break them out on a special occasion. We break them out maybe for a holiday. Um, you know, we break them out for maybe if we have special guests over or whatever it is. But we don't get them out very often. We, you, we don't use them. You know, we don't. Yesterday, when you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for your kids, you didn't go get the fine china, right? No way, right? You don't use them. They don't see day-to-day -day life. And my wife and I were given a set of china when we were married uh, 16 years ago, and I don't think we've even used it six times since then, you know. But even though we don't, and maybe you don't use your china regularly, it doesn't mean that it's not important or it's not valuable to us. Ours is valuable simply because it's expensive, and, uh, and even if we don't use it, it's still expensive. Or, or maybe for you, it's important to you because it's been passed down from generation to generation to generation in your family, and so it has some family value to it. And so uh, even though we don't use it, it has, it has value to us. And, and, and the same is true, right? Can easily become true of God. He might be important to us. He might be um, valuable to us, but we don't make him a normal everyday part of our lives. You know, maybe God's a part of our Sunday rhythms, like he obviously is for, for everyone in the room today, but not our Monday through Saturday rhythms. Or you know, maybe in your family growing up, you had some awkward God rhythms, you know, like anybody remember like dad pulling out the big family Bible, you know, and going on and on until you're bored to tears and you're just like begging him to stop, dad, stop. All right. Neither of those are bad things, right? Those are rhythms that we can use. But if those are the only rhythms that we rely on, I think that we are missing something. It, it just makes God a compartment that we pop into, kind of like these boxes. We pop into the God box on Sundays and we pop back out and we pop back in maybe uh, sometime during the week, and we pop back out, rather than a connection that's woven into the fabric of our lives. And so if we want to pass our faith on to our next generation, if we want to give that to our kids, we need to develop some, some rhythms in our families that help make God a normal, everyday part of our lives. So how do we do that? How do we begin to create those rhythms? And how do we create family rhythms that help God become a normal and an everyday part of our lives and, and for our kids and for our teenagers? 
We actually find Moses talking about this exact issue um, to the nation of Israel. And if you, you have your Bibles or if you want to grab one in the seat in front of you, you can um, begin finding Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. But I want to I set this up a little bit for you before we look at the verses we're going to look at. And let me give you the context, because what Moses gives us here is, 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 is really God's plan for the family and how we use some natural rhythms of life to pass our faith on. So the nation of Israel at this point in time is standing on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to go into the promised land. They had just finished wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years as a result of not trusting God and, and entering the promised land 40 years ago. And, and as they stood there ready to, to go in, Moses realized that this was a bigger opportunity than just them finding a new home, right? Because for the last 40 years, even while they were just wandering around the wilderness, they'd experienced this rhythm that reminded them day by day that God was with them and that God was providing for them. God had provided this, uh, this a pillar of cloud that led them by day, and it appeared in the sky every day for those 40 years. And at night, it changed to this pillar of fire. And when those pillars moved, the people moved. And when the pillars stopped, they stopped. And it was a moment-by-moment reminder that God is present with us. And not only that, every morning, God provided this bread-like substance that would just kind of appear there on the ground called manna that they could eat. And, and, and they were supposed to take just enough for that day, and God would provide more the next day. And, and at night, he provided meat through, through um, quail that they could eat just enough for that night, and he would provide more the next night. And it was a reminder that day by day, God was providing for their needs. You know, but that was all about to change because as they stood there on the banks of the Jordan River ready to finally go in and finally obey and enter the promised land, right? Moses knew that those rhythms were going to cease. The pillar of cloud and fire were no longer going to be needed because they weren't wandering the desert. God wasn't going to need to provide them manna and quail at night because they were going into this lush and lavish land that, that they could cultivate and they were actually moving in. There were already pre-made cities and pre-cultivated fields and it was going to be just ready to go. And Moses knew that this moment represented far more than just having a new home. And he knew that the danger for them was that as they experienced this great new place to live, they were going to forget that they needed to depend on God and keep him a normal part of their everyday lives. And so he says this to them. If you, if you um, look there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 9, Moses, being the wise leader, seeing that this was a, a, a propensity that the people would probably have in their lives, he spoke these words to them. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that you, it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
And so what Moses says here in, in verse 7 is really, really simple, but yet it's also really, really powerful. He says that the way to combat this propensity that we have to compartmentalize God and, and put him in a box and, is to use the normal rhythms that we experience in life and talk about it, him with our kids during those times. And, and that's how you pass your faith on to the next generation. You make it a rhythm that just lines up naturally with life. It's not something you have to add to it. It's something you just experience as you use those natural rhythms. And he, he identified four of them there. He identified, you know, the natural rhythms of, of when you um, sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And this morning, I want to take some time just to, to, to look at these and, and maybe translate them a little bit into modern time. And, 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 and I think pretty linearly, so I have to rearrange them so that they fit the normal flow of our day and our culture. Um, but I want to just look, how can we use these normal um, rhythms of life that Moses identifies? And, and those, these, again, these ideas uh, that I'm going to show you here in just a minute um, come right out of this book, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. So I'd encourage you to check that out and you can read some more about them. But Moses identifies when you get up. Oh, I didn't go through these. Sorry. Right here, when you get up, right? That's, we call that morning time, right? Everybody wakes up in the morning. And, and morning time is a great time to focus on, on giving our kids and giving our teenagers just some of those encouraging words that, that help them to start the day off on a positive note. You know, it, it might be helpful really to look at this time as your role as kind of a coach with them. You know, as a coach kind of inspires you before a game and gets you ready to go and says, you guys got this, you can do this. That's our role with our kids in the morning. And, and it really gives us an opportunity to instill purpose, God, God's, uh, that God-given purpose in them, all right? And, and, and a verse that always comes to mind when I think about um, instilling purpose in our kids is, is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And think of the difference that it could make in the lives of our kids and the lives of our teenagers if each and every day we found some small way to give them some words that instilled in them that purpose that God created them for. It, it's a natural rhythm that we can use in such a powerful way. Moses goes on and he talks about when you walk along the road. And, and for us, I think this equates to drive time. Most of us don't walk along the road with our families, maybe a little bit when it gets nice, but, but we drive them all over the place, right, parents? And, and we do it a lot and we spend so much time in the cars. And, and it looks a little different depending on your stage. When they're little, you're probably driving them to the grocery store or to daycare. And, and as they get older, man, you're taking them to school, to practices, maybe to work. Um, and then it kind of changes when they get their license and you don't see them anymore and you don't have to drive them anymore, right? But drive time, all right, is, is, a, is a time that just allows you to have some, some informal conversations with them. Just talk about them, about their life and their experiences. Usually when you're driving somewhere, you're either going to an experience or you're coming back home from one. And what an opportunity to, to talk about those things that they're going to be experiencing. And, and really in this, in this time, you just kind of approach them like a friend and, and you're able just to talk about the things that are going on in their lives, the things that they're experiencing. But it also is an opportunity for you to help them to interpret life. Because as they, as they go through those, I mean, life comes so fast at our kids and at our, and our teenagers and from so many different perspectives. And this gives you a chance to, to have conversations and help them process those experiences and, and to understand what God says about them and what God says about um, those situations and how maybe you even had to navigate those things in your life. And, and uh, you know, just help them to process the experiences that they're having and understanding what God wants for them. Moses then also identified when you sit at home. And I know some of you are thinking that never happens. 
We never just sit at home together. Um, and to be honest, this is probably going to look a little bit different for each family, be- depending on your rhythms, and, and it's going to look a little bit different in each phase of your kids' lives. But if I were to boil this down, this is what I would call it. I'd call it mealtime. And I understand that it can be difficult to all sit down together at a meal, especially the older your kids get and the busier that they get. But, man, there's some studies out there that show the value of having some regular mealtimes together, even if it's not every day. It, it helps a kid develop their mind, their body, and, and even their soul, it's, some, some studies have shown. And, and so, you know, it, it not only can help decrease negative behaviors, um, it can also help increase positive behaviors. And, and even beyond that, man, it's a time to, to just have some formal conversation with them. You know, you kind of get to function with them a little bit like a teacher, not teaching academics, but really helping to establish values in their lives. It, it takes a little bit of, of premeditation. You've got to think about it at ahead, ahead of time unless you're really good at just kind of, you know, shooting from the hip. But, but how can you have conversations around the dinner table that establish the values that are important to your family, that are important to God. And sitting around the table together gives you a chance to have those kind of formal conversations together. And then finally, Moses points us towards when you lie down. And this is pretty clear, right? We all go to bed. At some time, we all go to bed. And the older your kids get, the later that gets. And maybe that harder is that is for you. But man, bedtime is a time just to take advantage of some intimate conversation. There's something about coming to the end of a day that tends to cause us to slow down and to reflect and to think about the things that, that we've experienced that day or to, to think about the things that we're experiencing and navigating in life is just something that causes us to reflect at the end of the day as adults and as kids as well. And so as you, as you have those conversations with them and as, as they begin to maybe open up about their day, you kind of get to interact with them a little bit like a counselor and just helping them process their experiences and, and reaffirming their value. And, and, and maybe you help them just think about and process the, the emotions or the feelings that they felt throughout those experiences. And, and a phrase that I always love to tell parents to use, especially here, is, is use the phrase, tell me more. When your kid brings something up from their day, just say, hey, tell me more about that. Keep that conversation open and keep Um, having those with them because what this does is it helps to build intimacy between us and between our kids and and it helps us to connect on a heart level with them and I and I understand this is probably not going to happen every night but man if we're available and we're ready for that each and every night then I think the the conversations over time can have a huge impact on our kids and on our teens and so you know Moses identified here for us from from, from this verse in Deuteronomy 6, something really simple, but something super, super profound, something that can have a huge effect in our lives and in our families. And, and you know, as we, as we kind of use those built-in routines and leverage those to have conversations with our kids about God and about faith. And anytime we, we think about or we talk about relationships with people, we usually think about um, a couple different aspects of that. And one aspect of that is, man, to have a relationship, you've got to have a quantity of time together. You've got to spend some time together. And, and other times we think about, yeah, but um, we have to have quality time together. And, and, and one of the things that this concept of rhythms teaches us is this, is that, you know, it's not quantity or quality time that you need as a family, but it's the quantity of quality time that you experience as a family. And when you increase the quantity of quality time that you spend together as a family, you leverage, you know, your ability to positively impact your kids' faith. Think of it this way. If you want to get in shape, you can sign up for six exercise classes, but does that help you get in shape? Nope, that's a pretty big quantity, but you're not going to be any more fit by signing up for six classes. You could go to one of those classes one time a month and do this really killer workout that's a, you know, it's a high-quality workout 
uh, and you're pretty much dead by the end of it, but is that going to really help you get in shape if it's only once a month? See, if you want to work out and you want to get in shape, you've got to have, you know, you've got to have consistent, productive workouts. You've got to have a quantity of quality workouts over time that help you to get into shape. And the same thing is true when it comes to creating rhythms with our kids. We need a quantity of quality time. That's what's important. And so I want to I just spend a little bit of time as we wrap up just thinking about how do we do this in our families? How do we begin to either continue using some of these, um, these rhythms that we're already using or, or maybe adding some that we aren't using or maybe even just improving the quality of those or the quantity of those a little bit? And so, you know, the question is how do we create a rhythm? And, and I want to look at just a, a couple principles that I think help us with that. And, and the first one is this, is that if you want to create rhythms, you have to start at the starting point. Actually, you have to start at the ending point. You have to know what do we want to be true of our kids when they leave our house? Because if that's what you want to be true, then you've got to work backwards and ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing right now helping them to become what I want them to become? Because if it's not, then we're wasting our time. And so what do we want our kids to become? Well, I think Jesus summed it up well. It's what God wants for all of us. He says this, Jesus actually takes a, a, a piece of the passage we just read, and, and he, he explains to a crowd that this is what's most important. He says this, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so Jesus took two of the most familiar laws in, in Israel, and, and, he, and he said everything in life boils down to this. It comes down to loving God. It comes down to loving others, and it comes down to loving yourself. And these apply to every single one of us, but let's look really specifically about what do we want our kids to become. And I think if you, you want your kids to become people who, number one, pursue a relationship with God. I don't think there's any parent in this room that doesn't want that for their kid, that doesn't want their kid to develop a lifelong faith that lasts beyond their influence and into the rest of their lives. And we want our children to become, you know, people who love others the way that God loves them that loves others the way that Jesus did, that can look at Jesus' example and say, I want that to be the way I treat and interact with people. We talk about that a lot as parents, right? Especially if they have siblings, all right? And finally, we want them to see themselves the way God sees them. We want them to understand their identity is in the way God made them, not in what they do and not what people say about them and not what's happening around them. And these are, you know, these are the three priorities. I think if we focus on these, we can, we can kind of step back and a lot of other things in life kind of take care of themselves. And that doesn't mean it's easy, and it doesn't mean it's simple, but that gives us a great measuring stick. Are the rhythms that we're creating accomplishing what we want to accomplish? And then the next thing in creating rhythm is you got to be flexible with your rhythms, all right? you got to be flexible with your rhythms because as your children grow through all the phases of life, you're going to have to adjust these rhythms. What you do with an infant, you cannot do with a high school senior, right? That's not going to work. You've got to adjust it for every kid and for every phase because the younger your kids are, the more you get to dictate the schedule and the older they are and the more independent and unpredictable they get, you know, as they move into middle and high school, then, you know, in these phases, you've got to be a bit more creative and you've got to be ready when they're ready, not when you're ready. And that can be difficult as you try to use those unscripted um, moments in life. And we have some resources available to you that, that um, out in the 
out in the lobby in the family resource window that just kind of give you that. I know this is a little small, and I apologize for that, but there's a paper out there that this is on, and it just helps you understand how do we adjust those? How do we be flexible with these rhythms, you know, as they grow from an infant to a high school graduate? And, and when, they're, when they're babies, right, you don't really have a lot of drive time, or at least, you know, they're probably sleeping if you are anyway, and so you use feeding time, and, and you don't really maybe have meal time, especially when they can't even talk, so you use your cuddle time, and you use bath time instead of bedtime and you just be flexible and as they get older and as they get to high school you've got morning time you've got meal time you've got to be ready for their time all right because you're not driving them around anymore are you as they get up into those upper years and so also out at the window we have some resources for um, each one of the major phases that just give you some this is just a piece of it but just gives you some some ways to use each of those times and the things that you can say and questions that you can ask and conversations that you can have when they're in preschool when they're in elementary school when they're in middle school and they really, really need that, and, uh, and when they're in high school and you're getting ready to launch them out, what are the conversations you can have? And it just gives you some ideas. And, and these are not scripts to be followed. These are not, you know, things that, that they're just starting points for you, all right, because you know your kids best. But this gives you a place to start if you're kind of like, ah, I'm not quite sure how to begin this. So go out and grab those when we're done uh, for whatever phase your kids are in and let those be a help and a guide to you. And then finally, we have, you have to find a rhythm that works for your family, all right? Maybe the worst thing you could do is go grab all those papers and all the notes that maybe you've taken this morning, you try to implement it all tomorrow. That is not going to go well for you, and your kids will not like it, all right? But, but maybe you just pick one thing over the next month, one of these four rhythms that you want to add to or pay attention to or, or increase the quantity or, or change the quality of that. And, or maybe, you know, maybe you're like, oh, there's one that we need to kind of add into our rhythms that we're not really taking advantage of. And, and, and you remember, the goal is to do more. It's not necessarily to do everything. And, and for me, over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to, to change the way I use morning time. I am not a morning person. Um, but my kids get up and they get ready for school and I need to find ways. I've, I've kind of increased the quantity. I'm still working on that quality piece um, as we go. So, um, but you have to find what works for your family. And, and don't try to do something that doesn't work. Don't try to do something that your kids don't enjoy. Because if they don't enjoy it, they're not going to engage with you. So you have to find ways to make it fun. How, how can you make it fun having conversations around the dinner table? How can you make it fun driving and having conversations in the car about their days? And, and find a way to make it enjoyable so that your kids will engage. And, you know, recently I, I was sent a, a video from one of our high school girls and, and uh, that she and her friends made that actually co-starred a couple of their dads. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was these guys taking a little time out of their day to, um, to have some fun with their daughters and kind of embrace teen culture and the technology of TikTok videos. Um, and, and this is what they came up with. Check this out. All right, they looked a little nervous, but they were embracing it. And here's the thing, I've never had a teenage girl run up to me faster in the lobby and be so excited about something her father did than that day when, when I first saw Brianna after she sent me that video. And I guarantee, here's the thing, here's why I show that. They had a little fun. They probably, they were very uncomfortable, all right? But, um, but the reality is, is I bet it changed the conversations they had as they drove home that day. I bet it changed it. And, 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 and that's what we want to do. We just want to find small ways that change the conversation that we have with our kids. And you have to find a way to make these rhythms fun. 
And so, you know, all the, this that we talked about today, it's, it's not just about, um, you know, doing everything. It's just about doing something more. It's about doing something that makes a difference in the life and faith of your kids. And, and parents, you know, parents who engage in small ways with their kids and with their teenagers, right, they make a big difference in their lives. And, and so find a way this week to increase the quantity of quality time that you spend with your kids. And, and, and think about this. Think about this. If one dad who hasn't been praying with his 10-year-old daughter starts praying with her, or if one mom who hasn't connected with her teenage son in a long time somehow convinces him that she really cares, or if, if one family that rarely discusses, you know, spiritual things after Sunday morning starts talking about God at dinner, at, even occasionally, or if anything in the rhythm of a family just helps remind that family that God is telling a story through their family, it's more impacting than any parent can ever imagine. So increase the quality of quantity time that you spend together. Find a way to create a rhythm in your family. Let me pray with you and ask God if he would help you to do that this week. God, we thank you for your love for us, and we, we saw that uh, you know, several times in, in the passages that we looked at. And, and God, we, you know, we as parents and, and we as a church long that, uh, that our faith gets passed beyond us to our kids and, and to the next generation. And, and God, you, you really laid out a very simple and easy way to kind of leverage the normal day in and day out situations of life to, to make you a normal day in and day out part of our life. And God, I just pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us to, to, to look at the, the natural rhythms and how can we just increase the way that we use those a little bit and, 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 and change the conversations just enough that help us to, to make you a priority, to make you a part of our daily life and not just a box that we pop into and back out of on occasion. God, we need to pay attention to these rhythms in our own lives and in the lives of our kids and in the lives of the next generation because there's so much at stake. And so, God, I just pray that you would help each one of us to find a way to do that personally and in our families. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with us again. This next song, uh, Build My Life, speaks about how nobody is like our God. It talks about uh, one of the phrases I love. It says, open my eyes up and wonder. Think about little child when they see something for the first time, that look of wonderment, you find yourself thinking about Jesus that way. Sometimes it can be challenging to realize that we don't. But as this song said, is that if we build our life, we teach our kids and, and we challenge ourselves to build our life around his love that he offers the promise to show us the way along the way. And so as we sing this, regardless of where you're at, whether you say, you know what, I need to do that more with my kids or I need to do that more with the people in my life, um, to have these kinds of conversations, uh, Jesus is offering encouragement to you this morning and make this song your prayer. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. 
worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. It's holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me into all to those around me. He's worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. It's for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy. Holy, there is no none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me and holy there is no one like you there is none beside this next part, this bridge about I'll build my life. Do you need God to show you this morning who he is? Do you feel that you need to be filled with the kind of love that can offer that to other people? Make this your prayer as we sing these words and let the power of Jesus meet you in this spot right here. in 
very well. How can we increase the quantity of quality time in our own hearts and on our time with God and also in the life?